oftentimes you're doing it hard because it's the right way to do it. And that's kind of the way we kind of approach this business is that, you know, it's ridiculous and in, in, in many ways crazy to try to do local and national scale. But we really deeply believe it's the right way to do a uh, food system and a food economy. And so we're willing to put in that work and because we know it's the right way to do it. That right way? It's locally grown, locally processed, locally sold. And it's a model that builds out across the nation. Seal the Season set out to put U.S. farmers first, prove local can work year-round and beyond farmers' markets, build local economies, and innovate on frozen fruit. Trending food products and ingredients, after all, aren't the only way to innovate in natural. Today I chat with Seal the Season's Chief Operations Officer Alex Pisecki and CEO Patrick McTeer about their mission, their mistakes, and what matters most when it comes to innovation. I'm Christine Kaberman, and this is Fodder, the podcast offering food for thought for natural products industry professionals. Fodder is brought to you by New Hope Network's Escabona platform and is underwritten by 301 Inc., the GN Newsy Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, and Whipstitch Capital. So Seal the Seasons, uh, it started in North Carolina uh, just a few years ago, as I believe, and now already you're doing local in 35 states. What I love about this story is that this has been about making local scalable, truly national. And for so many years, this has seemed like it's textbook more than reality. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, what did you all do to make this really a possibility in the packaged foods industry? Hey, this is uh, Patrick Ventier, uh founder of Seal of Seasons. Um, yeah, it, it all comes back to, um, you know, trial and error and, um, you know, learning and listening to the rest of the industry. Um, you know, we, we've tried a few different strategies to bring local to market. And we as founders and, you know, as business people, we weren't emotionally connected to, you know, our first strategy. We were really comfortable in pivoting and learning from what we were doing. Uh, and then changing how we operationally did things to make it work at scale. Um, you know, just a little story back in, uh, back in 2016 when we were starting the company and uh, starting to serve our first grocery store, Harris Teeter, we actually built out our own supply chain and our own internal manufacturing to bring local to market. Uh, and that was a huge challenge for our company. It really wasn't our core competency. And we learned that, um, you know, through both our our time, where we were investing, our you know, staff resources, as well as just the P&L that, you know, if we were going to scale, doing everything internally wasn't the way to do it. And we had to emotionally disconnect from doing everything ourselves and having that, you know, sense of control over operations and instead following our values and working more with the farmers, becoming more connected to them uh, to build our distributed supply chain model, which we currently use to serve like you said, uh, or just over 30 states with locally grown products. That's a big lesson early on because entrepreneurs, boy, giving up or uh, a part of the, the business or the idea, so to speak, can be really challenging, the difficult decision. It was, it was really tough. We had to, you know, we were bringing fruit into our own facility. We got to interact and see all the product and and just have that level of control and understanding over what was going on. Uh, and that matters so much when we're trying to serve a really high quality product to the consumer. 
and be a premium brand. Um, but like I said, you're right. It all it all came back to listening and come and you know uh, following our values. And you know our mis- our mission here is to support the local grower. Uh, and so by you know working more deeply with them, it, it you know more of the product cost and uh, profit you know goes to them and just helps us better support U.S. farmers. Yeah, so let's go back to those roots of really what is Seal the Seasons and how did it come to be? Yeah, this is uh, Patrick again. Um, so Seal the Seasons, uh, we are a, you know, it's a national local foods brand. Um, we partner directly with growers and have their food frozen and then manage the distribution and marketing of that product in each local area of the country. Uh, and we really came to be uh, back at the farmer's market. Um, we were working at the farmer's market and saw that everyone, uh, you know, every one of the farmers really needed more ways to sell their product to stay in business and, you know, make their farms, their family farms profitable. Uh, so we thought, you know, how can we be innovative and find a new channel for these farmers to sell their product in another part of the market? And at the same time, how are we solving a problem for the consumer so that we tap in and demand and make sure that we have a way to you know, actually make this a profitable and sustainable endeavor for Seal of Seasons and for the farmers. And so you, you started that in North Carolina. Did you see right away that this was something you wanted to do across country? Yeah, so for a long time, uh, we knew we wanted to scale and knew there was the demand, uh, but we needed the right uh, you know, operational plan and also the right team in place. Um, and, you know, that's where Alex has played a huge role in, um, you know, having uh, di- different strengths than myself so we can focus on, on different things and, uh, you know, build the, build the company as a team uh, and build our operations as a team. Um, if you don't have the right people, you know, uh, you really can't uh, scale nationally and manage that kind of business. Right, right. And so how long did it take for you to kind of get that business under you know, a strong footing there before you expand it out into your first region beyond North Carolina? Well, I think uh, as you talk to any startup, we're still working on it, <laughs> even, though we're in, even though we're in 30 plus states. Uh, it's a constant you know, battle to innovate and pivot and uh, you know, find the best practices and systems to be able to scale. Um, and, but it took us about two years to, to learn in North Carolina so I really, um, you know, encourage any entrepreneur: don't rush and, and scale too quickly. It's really important to understand your roots and build your team uh, before you and learn about your consumer and you know produce a better product uh, before you you scale into other markets. You'll actually go faster by taking it slow in the beginning. That's a great lesson. So what what was your first region beyond your home base, and, and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, uh, Alex here, uh, partner and chief operating officer at Seal of Seasons. Uh, the first one for us was actually the, the Northeast. So, uh, you know, focusing on New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, um, Connecticut-grown fruit. And it honestly was, a you know, a pretty harrowing experience. It was the first time that we really had to go out and find brand-new farmers uh, and find these new supply chains and, and build these supply chains from scratch. Uh, but, you know, we... We're really inspired by the reaction from you know the three the three parties we look to serve the the consumers uh, the grocery stores and then obviously the farmers and our supply chain that's so integral to everything we do 
Uh, and so we, we, we went with kind of that passion and, and that vision around believing that, you know, our, our product and our brand is empowering people and members of local communities to support one another. And I think that that message really played across both consumers, grocery stores, and the farmers and made it a successful launch. And then, you know, quickly after that, we actually launched in uh, three other regions within the next, you know, 12 months. Uh, the Midwest, uh, with Michigan, Ohio, and Wisconsin-grown fruit. Uh, the Pacific Northwest, with Oregon and Washington-grown fruit. And in California, with California-grown fruit. Uh, and so, you know, that was – all those expansions were done with the same sort of model in mind where, you know, a lot of hard work on the ground and, and trying to find the right partners at the cu- customer, consumer, and farmer level – uh, but then, you know, it really does congeal very quickly when you, again, have the experience of doing it at home here in North Carolina for two years. But, you know, it's not all roses. Um, we definitely did have some challenges. You were telling me the, the story about the, the strawberries and our yeah. here in New York. Yeah. So, I mean, Alex here, in New York, you deal with some very challenging growing conditions, specifically for fruit and, uh, in our case, strawberries. Uh, we love strawberries as a company. It's one of, it's my favorite fruit. Uh, but in the Northeast and New York specifically, we work with three different growers, the largest growers of, of uh, strawberries in the state. And all of them had issues with root rot, which uh, for, for folks who aren't in agriculture, basically means the, the roots on your plants are rotted and you have to rip up your field and start again next year and rotate. Uh, so that was a complete loss for us, and we got less than a thousand pounds that year. Um, but you know, we we were able to you know communicate that to everyone across the supply chain and everyone at the grocery store, and we were actually able to find some Connecticut strawberries that were able to kind of help us uh, connect uh, connect our supply chain and and make it to the next season for strawberries in New York. So you know, with any kind of anything that's done on such a micro scale like local you are going to run into challenges on a regular and daily basis. Uh, but we do kind of, again, fall back on our values and why we are here and remembering that, you know, what we're doing is empowering local communities to support one another, and it's not all about the, the individual challenges we face day to day. Right, and I, I assume that you have to kind of start with the farmer anyway when you're going into a region and having some kind of commitment to those folks and having these stories of how you've been there with them through the challenges can only help when you're having to develop relationships, I, again, assume one person at a time. Yeah, you, you, you got it. I mean, everyone asks kind of how do we find these guys, and the, the honest truth is that they're not on Google. A lot of times they don't have email. Most Sometimes they have a phone, and sometimes it's on. Uh, and I think that's, at the end of the day, what, how we've kind of built it is, you know, we're really honest about what we're trying to do. We're not trying to pretend to be farmers. Uh, we're trying to we, we're trying to be very transparent about hey we're trying to help and we want to put you guys at the forefront of your own product and really help and help you get into grocery stores uh, and so you know it is takes uh, it, I mean for me in Michigan I drove from farm to farm in Ohio and Michigan just getting recommendations of where to go and and who to talk to and I kind of crawled my way up uh, the west coast of Michigan on Lake Michigan uh, in summer of 2018. And, you know, camping as I went and meeting these folks and really kind of telling the story, sitting down, drinking coffee, you know, spending time with them. Because a lot of people just don't spend time to be present with farmers, and they really do appreciate that extra extra mile that you go. 
Um, so I think that that was a key to our success in trying to build out the supply chain and, and kind of ensure some commitments from them. And uh, it, I think it's, a, it's a, still a key tenant of how we operate today. That's great. And then I assume, again, making assumptions here over and over, that once you've been able to do it in one region, you kind of have the, the great resume, so to speak, or the references to say, this crazy guy isn't just coming to my region to do something, that you have backing of farmers along the way. I mean, they definitely still think we're crazy. They, every, every one of them thinks we're crazy. But at the end of the day, they see the success. Uh, and we give them, we give them a, the contact information of our other farmers, and so they can call. And those farmers tell a real story, too. It's not, a, it's not a normal reference check. They're like, yeah, these guys, are, these guys are a little crazy. They're trying to do something that I've never seen done before, but I support it because they sell more local produce. They put me at the forefront of my product on the bag. And uh, at the end of the day, they get better every year. They don't pay on time the first year. They might not pay right on time the second year, but it gets better every year. And 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 they they really do. Farmers have that long term view where they are they're in it for the partnership. And and you know the consumer products industry, everyone talks about partnership. Uh, we really feel like these farmers are are our partners for the next you know ten to twenty years because they really do see that long long scope. Right. And so that's a great story there alone that, again, it's about the partnership. It's about developing a supply chain, but it's building a business and, and an economy together. Why yeah. is that so important to you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, on, on the economic side, it just makes sense to some to some regard. Uh, most of the fruit and vegetables that we source in the frozen the frozen aisle uh are from other countries. And that truly doesn't make any sense because we have probably, and I will, I will say confidently, the best uh, agriculture supply chain here in the U.S. Uh, it's the, we provide some of the safest food, the best produce available, and yet we're not taking advantage of it in other areas other than fresh. And so we really, we really thought it really makes sense to have these guys and have these farmers tapped into because they're producing great product. And then sell in the grocery store because people are lining up at 5 a.m. to go to the farmer's market and get the best strawberries during strawberry season. Why can't that same thing be done year-round? Um, so it's a, it, building that local economy is a huge piece of what we do. Uh, 90 to 95 percent of every dollar we spend on our product goes directly back into the rural community that we're supporting. Um, in face in North Carolina, uh, Coddle Farms is our key farmer and key farm partner in the region. And they actually not only source blueberries for us and freeze other folks of strawberries and, and blackberries, but they also do the packaging and retail packaging for us. Uh, and we were one of their first retail packaging customers, and we really kind of learned together how to do it. Um, and they are the, by far the largest employer in that rural area, and we're proud to support them and support their local community. And I think that our customers are too. That's great to hear the customers are, because I think it's so easy to understand and maybe I'm, I'm leaping to conclusions there that local food seems like it's an expectation and everybody's talking about it, but not everybody's talking about these kinds of local economies and, and getting mm -hmm. understanding and being able to talk to the everyday consumer about that must be a little bit of a challenge still. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, certainly, it's, I mean, it's, it's certainly a challenge and it's a, definitely an education process as well. I think more and more consumers are becoming not only a bit more concerned and, and uh, very much looking for more information on where the food comes from, but they also want to know where their dollars go to. 
Uh, and that's that's an area where we're fighting to be more transparent about because we want to know we want to let people know who they're who's farming their food, but also where their money's going. Uh, and I think that's really important because no one else in Frozen uh, is really doing that. Everyone else is, is is really providing a product that is you know I, is, is focused on being as cheap as possible. Sure. Uh, sure. We want to provide the best product, and we also want to provide the product that's going to support your local community financially. And we also want to provide a product that is going to generate pride across the community as well. Great. And how is that showing up? Is it something, uh, are we talking QR codes, story on packaging, a little bit more on, on the website? How's that coming to pass? Yeah, it's a few ways. Um, you know, the thing we're most excited about is uh, tracking your produce through the lot code. Um, just entering, going on our website and entering the um you know, the lot identifying code mm -hmm. on the back of the package to, you know, know where, where exactly the food came from. Um, we also, you know, highlight our, our growers on pack. Um, you know, we work with multiple growers for each crop or in most cases. And so you can't highlight, you know, every grower each year. Um, but we'd love to, you know, cycle through different growers and get everyone a chance to be on the package and share their stories. And then, of course, we have everybody on the website. Perfect. And now it's it's great with kind of a, a single ingredient product, right? Uh, but how has the sourcing, the relationship building, the partner commitments, everything that's working for Seal the Seasons, how is this different or maybe translatable to other finished product goods, you think? Yeah, so we're actually uh, starting to play in that space ourselves. Um, we're doing some product innovation right now and um, you know, we're seeing some more stuff in that later in 2020. Uh, we can't can't talk about it yet, unfortunately. Oh, give us a little uh, hint. <laughs> Watch the news. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, we, we also know that consumers aren't uh, militant about their products and, and, and their sort and their local sourcing. Um, you know, if we can just do better than what the industry is doing today, which is you know, no transparency, no local ingredients, no local production. If we can hit on two or three out of those things, that's a big improvement. Um, so when looking at products that have multiple ingredients or, you know, involve stuff like uh, turmeric or ginger or, you know, salt, which, you know, usually isn't sourced locally um, or can't even be sourced locally, uh, we, you know, from our consumer research, consumers are okay uh, if you do the best you can and source the majority of the products locally, but uh, still produce a great tasting product if you have to reach out and source some things um, in a fair trade or organic manner. Good point. And what about on that production and distribution point? Uh, how has that worked for you? And, and is that something you could see others picking up, doing, learning from? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it just at the end of the day, it makes sense to have production uh, be local to where you're distributing. Uh, I think what we do is a bit more radical in that you know everything we're doing is locally grown, locally uh, frozen or processed minimally, uh, and locally sold. Uh, but I think it makes sense just on the on the case from you know you're close to your customers and you're able to react to things uh, for your customers more more fluidly. You're able to ship late orders. You're able to package at the last minute. Um, so, you know, from a business side, it makes a lot of sense to save you on that logistical, you know, nightmare and also logistical costs. Um, but also, you know, I think, uh, I, th I think folks switching over to a, a model where they're using more co-packers or co-manufacturers like we do, 
has a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, it's a lot of relationships you have to manage. That's something that we deal with every day, but it's part of our mandate at this point. And, uh, you know, you have to make sure you have high-quality product and they're producing a good, a good product no matter where it is. So, you know, I see that being challenging to produce locally everywhere, but definitely there are great advantages to it as well. And you're in, what is it, five or six regions now? Yeah, we're in six regions right now, and we're looking at, um, you know, a few more regions potentially opening up uh, over the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. And so how exactly are you defining a region or local as, as you're growing? Yeah, so kind of like what I said before, you, know, you have to do the best you can and bring the highest quality product from as close as you can at an affordable price point. Um, so we really look at both the grocery distribution footprint, so we work with our customers and make it easy for them, and also the agricultural you know, hotspots in this country. Um, so you really have to just find the, the best agricultural hotspot where high-quality product is produced and then, you know, um, you know, map that out versus all the other agricultural production points and uh, serve the states that are closest to that point. So, you know, for example, in Minnesota, um, Michigan blueberries are not uh, very close geographically, but they are by far the closest possible blueberries you are going to get in Minnesota. Um, so we feel quite okay selling, you know, Michigan blueberries up there, but sourcing, um, you know, uh, sweet corn or uh, green beans or peas, you know, more closely from that area. Uh, we want to do the best we can as local as we can, um, but that's limited by just the realities of where certain products grow. Good point. And people are accepting that. They're not getting into these strict definitions of miles and state lines, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, local is means a lot of things. People buy local for a lot of different reasons, and people define local to be a lot of different reasons. Uh, I think what we do is what we, we try to be as transparent as possible to the consumer and showing them where their food's coming from and that, you know, this farmer is, is, is growing really high-quality produce, and you can trust every time you open up a bag that it's it's going to be really high quality uh, and that it also will be as local as possible. Uh, and I think we're seeing that consumers, you know, like Patrick said, aren't, aren't militant about on, on their local sourcing. They want to see brands do better. And that's what we're doing. Right. Well, you already killed my most favorite question of what's next for you. So we'll be watching out for the uh, <laughs> later this year. Uh, can you talk to us about, you know, you're certainly are innovating on a, uh, a business model, and then you are teasing to the fact that you have innovation beyond single ingredient and or different ways of looking at frozen fruit, perhaps. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing in there. Uh, what what does innovation look like and, and, and constant improvement look like for Seal the Seasons? Yeah. Um, so at first, it was just a lot of, I don't don't hate to be nerdy, but uh, in the beginning, it was just a lot of internal process and system improvement uh, and simplification uh, in order to scale our business to multiple regions of fruit. And now with us scaling into frozen vegetable, um, we've had to build processes and systems that um, you know, allow us to manage 15 different co-packers in the exact same way. Um, and that's been a challenge, but it's really paid off and allowed us to you know, have this ability to scale. Um, so, you know, I know that's, that's really nerdy and something that consumers don't really, don't really see or think about, uh, but it's really critical for entrepreneurs to, again, like 
take those two years and you're starting in your in your your home area and build out those processes, build out those systems. So as you scale, you don't need to expand or significantly expand headcount. Um, no, that's a very important lesson. Brands don't always think about systems enough, right? Documenting them. Yes, especially in the early stage. At least, you know, just speaking from personal experience, it was a, a problem for us when we were getting started. Um, on the on the product side, though, um, you know, we're we're not unlike many other companies in that we're you know looking and listening to consumers. We're trying to actively do demos uh, and get our management team in in front of the consumers. Alex and I were we're doing a demo last Friday. We have another demo this Friday. Um, and really just talking and listening to our core consumer, understanding you know, what they're looking for in new products and, and what challenges they have in their life today, and then helping them address those. Um, it's, it's so rewarding to be able to talk you know, directly to people and hear you know, the love for your brand and your product, um, and also kind of be challenged to do something new for them. That's a great point. We always get excited in the natural products industry about the new trend, et cetera. What are you hearing on the, on the streets I think uh, I think I mean, we're hearing that people are open to experiencing flavors they love in new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we've had we've been playing with uh, just different types of smoothies at our demos, and you know, throwing weird stuff in there, uh, and people are really enjoying it. They're really open uh, to try new things. We, you know, at the demo booth, we'll have plain blueberries, you know, just sitting in cups. We'll have uh, a little yogurt parfait. Uh, and then we'll make up these kind of crazy smoothies and uh, offer that to people as a, a secondary option. Um, and you'd be amazed at how interested people are in, um, you know, new culinary creations. And uh, uh, even if it's me pitching it from behind the booth, uh, it just makes it for, you know, a lot of fun. Um, and that's, you know, again, you'll be hearing more about that later this year. That's great. It's, uh, it's certainly a trend we've been following for a while, and it always takes – I guess the one thing, again, we talk about all these funny, interesting things in packaged products, but if the consumers are out there uh, having fun in the kitchen and growing their culinary skill, it takes the basics to build their kitchen. And so those are so important, and you've found a way to innovate in that space. So thank you so and, much. And people want to they want to be culinary in the kitchen, but they want it to be extremely easy, yes. you know? Um, so it's, it's finding a way to bring an experience to a consumer that they don't get with other food products. It's not just about, um, you know, the flavor and the uh, actually eating the product, but the experience and the ease of producing it, how that feels, um, and, you know, how rewarding that can be for them. So uh, it's a balance. Yeah, great addition and great thought there. Uh, Any last thoughts to leave us with today? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, just as you're building a company, it's, it's, especially when you're, you're stretched really thin and you're, and you really feel like you're, you're already doing everything. Um, I think what we try to focus on is a, remember what you're, why you're doing it, because that can be somewhat refreshing and keep you going. But also remember that, you know, even though things that you're doing things that are hard, oftentimes you're doing it hard because it's the right way to do it. And that's kind of the way we kind of approach this business is that, you know, it's ridiculous and in and, and many ways crazy to try to do local and national scale, but we really deeply believe it's the right way to do a food system and a food economy. And so we're willing to put in that work and because we know it's the right way to do it. 
Um, and, you know, really that's what kind of really feeds our company and, and pushes us forward is, is that, that knowledge that, you know, we're persevering pioneers of local food and doing the right thing is sometimes hard. And so I, that's something I like to remind myself when, um, you know, I feel like the world is imploding and, and everybody's selling uh, a product that's not as good for much cheaper. Uh, I just keep reminding myself that you got to, it's just part of the, part of the process. Fodder is a production of New Hope Network, found on the interwebs at newhope.com, and powered by the Escabona platform. Find more at escabona.com. Thanks again to our underwriters, 301 Inc., the Giannuzzi Group, Healthy Lifestyle Brands, Morningstar Farms, Stonyfield Organic, Unilever, and Whipstitch Capital. The largest independent M&A private placement advisory firm focused solely on the healthy living consumer market. The company believes that the future of food will reflect a continued evolution of sustainability, an evolution that is about packaging changes, localized sourcing, and reduction of energy consumption throughout the value chain. By providing advice and making connections that help founders succeed, Whipstitch enables companies to use their innovation for good.